We started a brand new series that we are calling Jacob. Well, because it is on the life of Jacob. And uh, if you guys missed last week's message, uh, we, it was a little bit different. It was really Bible study heavy, but it was very important, I think, for us to lay a really good foundation for where we're going to be headed in the series. So if you missed last week, make sure to jump online and watch on our Church Center app or on our YouTube channel, and then you can listen where most podcasts are played. Well, um, last week, um, we dove into Jacob's family of origin. And uh, we did that because how many of you know that most of our characteristics and, and our gestures and the, the way we think about life and the way we do things comes from our family of origin. And we took a look at some of the things in Jacob's family of origin. We looked at some of his favorable traits, and then we looked at some of his not so favorable traits. And we noticed that most of his not so favorable traits, he got them all from his family. We could see in his family history that many of those things had been passed down to him. And how many know that we too are just like Jacob and that things in our family of origin have been placed into our life. And as we become more like Christ, we begin to shed the things that don't honor God. And then we begin to take on the characteristics of God as a life in Christ transforms us and changes us. How many of you have been transformed by the life of Christ? Say amen. amen. Well, today I've titled the message, The Burden. Somebody say The Burden. We're going to look at the early years of Jacob's life. And if you've got your Bible this morning, you can open to Genesis chapter 25. And uh, it'll also be up on the screen for you as well. And uh, I want to just challenge you, encourage you, make sure you're taking notes. If it's not on the fancy notes that uh, Anthony and Pastor Clay helped put together, man, pull out a note on your phone and just scribble down what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Because here's what I can guarantee you today, that regardless of what I do or don't say today, the Holy Spirit's always talking to us. And he's so special that he knows how to speak to your heart exactly where you're at in this specific season, regardless of what's preached here today because he's a personal God. How many know that God speaks to us today? Say amen. amen. Here we go. Genesis chapter five. Uh, we're going to start uh, reading. I say five. Genesis chapter 25. Here we go. Here's what it says. When her days to give birth were complete, this is speaking of Jacob's mom, it says this, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red and like his body, uh, he had a hairy cloak on. And so they called him Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. How many of you know that that probably wouldn't be very fun at 60 years old to be pregnant with twins? The next verse says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in the tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, well, hey, if you want my stew, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil soup. 
And he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. We're going to move to Genesis chapter 27 and skip down. We'll start at verse number 1 until the other part of the story of Jacob the stealer and Jacob the thief. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, that's Jacob's dad, so that he could not see, he called Esau his older son and said to him, my son. And he answered, here am I. He said, behold, I'm old and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me a delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca, Jacob's mom, was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat of it and bless you before I die. Therefore, his mom said, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock, bring me two good young goats, that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that you are so faithful to speak to us. God, that what happened thousands of years ago that was written in uh, the scriptures in our word, God, you still speak to us today through these stories. God, so we just thank you for your word today. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts. And God, we just, just invite you in to speak to us what we need to hear today. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Hey, we're talking about the burden. How many know by just reading the story, Esau was, or Jacob was a pretty crooked guy. Now, I do want to mention this before we get into the sermon notes. Last week, we only filled out half of the notes, okay? But what I did is I took the second half of the notes and I made some new notes. I even edited them a little bit. I apologize for you guys who just like things the way they are. And then I added to it. So don't fill out the notes from last week. So if you came and you pulled out your notes from last week, put them to the side and use the notes from today, all right? I'm just trying to help everybody out. Here's what we see in the early parts of Jacob's life is that he carried a heavy burden. Uh, life was heavy for him. And Jacob seemed to do anything and everything that he could to get out from underneath this burden. And little did he know that without God's help, he would never be able to lift the heavy load and lift the heavy burden that rests on his life. How many of you know that we're all just like Jacob? And in many different ways, we have attempted time and time and time again to get this heavy load off of our life. So today, I want us to notice some things in the story about Jacob, and I want to pose some questions to you and I that I believe the Holy Spirit is asking us as we approach this passage. The first thing I notice is that Jacob struggled from birth. This was not just a struggle later on in his life, in his teen and into his adult years. Literally from Jacob's birth, he struggled. He wanted to get out 
from the heavy burden and the load. And what was so burdensome for him? Why did he struggle so much? In your notes, we see that he struggled with his nature. It was in his nature that he struggled, just like it's in your nature that you struggle. How many of you know Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because of what happened in the garden? God's life was removed from humanity and sin entered our life. And that burden of sin is heavy. And Jacob here is struggling with his sin nature in this passage. And the details of his struggle and and the way that this struggle affected him are actually revealed in his name. And we see this in Genesis 26. Scripture actually says that because he was holding on to his brother's heel, that his parents decided, oh, we're going to name him Jacob. Now, what does Jacob mean? It just simply means this. It means heel catcher or heel grabber. And he got his name literally because he was holding on to his brother's heel. How many know his parents were not all that creative with naming their kids? Now, I know that his name, it doesn't just mean grabber, but it actually describes the type of person that he is. See, we see Jacob in the early parts of his life and throughout his entire life reaching and grabbing, trying to get out from underneath the burden of sin that he's so weighted down by. In fact, we see him striving and deceiving people and manipulating people as he's making his way through life. And it's not in his later years. It's literally from the very beginnings as he's grappling on to his brother's heel. In fact, the Bible describes that in the womb before the brothers even came out, that Rebecca sensed that there was something off inside of her. It wasn't normal birth pains. She went to God and said, God, what is happening within me? And God, the Holy Spirit speaks to her and says that there's two nations at war within you. How many of you know that that's not very good news for a mom? You know, that's not like the news you're looking for. And the crazy thing is that, that God had given her a promise that she was going to have children and she was barren for years and years. And she waited and waited and waited. Isn't it interesting that she was burdened with barrenness and the, the thing that she thought was going to fulfill her finally getting pregnant almost seemed like another curse upon her life because of these twins at war. And that burden is almost just trans, transferred over to Jacob as he lives his life with this heavy, heavy, heavy burden. Nevertheless, it's so interesting to me that God still chose Jacob. Regardless of all the junk he did, God chose Jacob. He had some of the worst of his family flaws. Now, why in the world would God put the hope of the world in the hands of a guy like Jacob? Because the coming Messiah was going to come through his family line. We talked about that last week. Why would God put faith and hope in guys like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And we, we, we saw all the flaws lifted off last week. I mean, if it were up to me and I was the God of the world and I saw the flaws in these guys' lives, I would have looked somewhere else to send the Messiah through because these guys actually were not all that trustworthy as you look at their life before God began to transform them, especially Jacob as he struggled and strived and manipulated and lied. But here's what I want to suggest. I want to suggest this, that God did not put his faith in Abraham. 
in Isaac and in Jacob. In fact, I believe that God put his faith in his own name. Well, why do I say that? Because Hebrews chapter six, verse number 13 tells us this. It says this, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. He said, I'm going to promise that through Abraham's family history that the Messiah is going to come to the world. But God didn't choose Abraham because he knew Abraham was going to be amazing. He actually swore by his own name because he knew he was good. And he knew that when his goodness touched somebody like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that his goodness would transform them. And God could count on his love and his goodness and what it can do in a man, no matter how corrupt he is, that God's work could still be done. How many of you are grateful for that? You know, he goes on and he says this. He says, surely I will bless you and I will multiply you, Abraham. And who in this passage is responsible for blessing Abraham? Is it Abraham and his goodness? No, it is God and God's goodness. That is the reason why Abraham is blessed here. And I would suggest that it is the same reason that Isaac, it is the same reason that later on in in Jacob's life, we'll begin to see that there are many blessings in his life, but it's not because of Jacob. It's because the goodness of God. And doesn't it sound like our nature to sometimes look at our life and go, man, God's been good to me because I've been good to him because I've made a lot of good choices in my life. And sure, I sure I made some bad decisions, but I've made some good ones. Isn't it like the flesh to do that and deceive ourselves and look around at our life and go, wow, look at what I have done. I got to tell you, I've been tempted to do that before. Have you? You don't have to answer out loud. But here's what I know, is that God does not bet on us to get things done in this world. Oh, yes, he works through man. And when he transforms a man, he knows that things can get done. But God bets on himself and what he can do in the life of a man. And just let that sink in for a moment. Because if, you know, perhaps you've looked around your life and went, man, Life has gone really good for me, and I'm blessed, and and thank God, but I learned from my mistakes, and I made a lot of good decisions. You didn't make those good decisions because you're good. You made those good decisions because God is so good to you, and he transformed you, and he helped you to think about good things because you didn't know how to think about good things before you met Christ. And I like how Paul says it in Philippians 1 and 6. Paul says this, being confident in this. Paul, the greatest apostle who ever lived, one of the most evangelistic people on the planet. We are here today. We know about Christ today, perhaps because he is one of the most prolific writers of the entire New Testament. He said this, even him, being confident of this, not in myself, but he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Who's going to carry out his good work in you? Who is responsible for his good work in you? Who is responsible for helping you to get over to the finish line of eternity? Is it you and your goodness? No, it's Christ and his goodness. Write this down. God's confidence is not in me. It's in his own competence. 
God's confidence is not in me, it's in his own competence. Now look, I just, I just want to just give a little caveat here. Outside of Christ, we're nothing. But inside of Christ, that is where we can have all the confidence in the world. And in Christ, we should stand and say, God is so good. He is so amazing. I've been able to make amazing choices in my life because of Christ in me. Not because it was up to me, but because God worked something good in me. Here's a question for us today. Do we struggle with our sin nature like Jacob? Jacob didn't just struggle with his sin nature. In your notes, he struggled with his own father. He struggled with his father. We see this in Genesis 25 and 28. Scripture points out the fact that that his dad, Isaac, loved Esau. And we see in his father's behavior and the way that he parents and treats his own kids that he takes on some of the heirs of his own dad, Abraham, and he favors one son over another. And there's this indication here in scripture, and it just seems strange to me, but his dad favors all of the things that he wants in a son through Esau, because Esau has all of those things that perhaps he dreamed and desired for a son to be and a son to do. Esau was hardworking in the fields, and that sounded like a man thing to do. He, was, he loved hunting, and, and he didn't just love it. Esau was a good hunter. Isn't that just stereotypically the thing that we think a dad would love? And he was brave, and, and he was strong. He was kind of like the gender stereotypical male. But isn't it interesting that, that God didn't call Esau? God actually called Jacob, somebody who was more meek than him. Oh, he was cunning. He was a little more meek, but he was cunning. Look, don't mess with Jacob. Jacob will cut your throat and steal everything you got. So just because Jacob didn't look like the brave kind of person that his daddy wanted, oh, Jacob was brave, and Jacob was a ruthless dude. Don't, take, don't consider him being this, this passive guy in the home and, and cooking stew and working with his mama, and he was a mama's boy. We could see that his mom loved him deeply, but Jacob was cunning. And here's what is so interesting, that Jacob the son was missing out on the love he wished he had from his dad, and he struggled with his father over it, and he struggled with his brother over it. And I love that regardless of the type of parents that we did or did not have, that all parents will fall short. My wife and I, we will fall short. We will not be the perfect parent that Ellie needs. You know what Ellie needs? Oh, she needs us to be the best parents that we can be. But even more than that, she needs to know the love of God. And I love that scripture tells us in 1 John 4, 8, that our heavenly father, that he's love and that he reveals his love to the world for every human being on this planet that didn't capture the love of the father through their parents. See, parents, we're just a conduit. It's not our love that we're giving to our kids. It's we're a conduit of the love of the father, imaging Christ for our children so that they would experience what, what undying love is like, what unconditional love is like, what, what joy is like, what celebration over their child is like. That's the kind of love our father has for us. In fact, Psalms 135 and 4 says this about Jacob. For the Lord has chosen Jacob the heel catcher, 
the grabber, the manipulator. God chose Jacob for himself. God said, Jacob, that boy's mine. And he declared it to the world, put it in a psalm so that the whole world would see. Did you know that when God looks at you, regardless of where you've been with your life, regardless of what you've done, and you can match your life up to Jacob, and you're probably not as crooked as Jacob, but God looks at you and he says, you are mine. Today, we're talking about the burden that Jacob struggled with. We noticed that Jacob had a burden. He struggled with his sin nature at birth. The next thing I observed is this, that Jacob's burden was so heavy. He was so wounded that Jacob does this in your notes, that Jacob steals the birthright and the blessing. Jacob, the grabber, could not wait for the promise, the blessing that God had for him. So he went to get it on his own. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been like, God, if I was in control of my life, I wouldn't make me wait this long. God, if I was in control of my life, they wouldn't be involved in my life. But God, if I was in control of my life, I would put some different people around me. Have you ever been there before? Jacob was impatient and God had given him a promise, but it was the pattern of Jacob's life to grab and steal and take what he thought God should give to him. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever tried to take something that was actually not yours to take. And we see this in Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34. And I, I kind of wonder here a little bit what happened between Jacob and his mom. Scripture doesn't really tell us, but, but I wonder if Rebecca, his mom, shared with him, Jacob, I got a word from God and I, and I, and I see you struggling and I see you wanting to have more authority in life and I'm seeing you wanting more leadership. But just hold on, Jacob, because God told me that one day your brother Esau, that your dad loves so much, that he spends so much time with you, one day you're going to rule your brother. And, and God told me that the whole world's going to be blessed from you. You're going to be mighty. I wonder if she told him that. It's almost as if Jacob knew. And he was just going after all the things that he thought should belong to him, but his brother had all these things. So Jacob goes on a heist to begin to steal the things that he thinks belongs to him. And the first thing we notice in our notes is he steals the birthright. The audacity of Jacob to take advantage of his brother. The Bible says Esau comes in. Have you ever worked a hard day under the sun? Probably not a hard day like Esau, but he worked a hard day under the sun. He was tired. In fact, scripture says that he thought he was going to die. Now, I don't know if he was being dramatic or if literally he had been working tireless hours and he was starving and he thought he was going to die. And so he came into his brother that was cooking in the house, and he knew his brother had cooking skills. He came in and said, hey, bro, I'm so hungry, I'm dying. And his brother Jacob was like, oh, really? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're so tired. I'm so sorry you're so hungry. And I'm so sorry that I'm the manager of the kitchen and that you can't get any food unless you come through me. And he takes advantage of him in this moment and he manipulates him and says, hey, hey, bro, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you a bowl of soup. Well, I, 
I can't, in my mind, those things don't have the same weight in my mind, and that's a whole different sermon. But Esau goes for it, and he trades it. Have you ever been hungry and tired before in the natural? (laughs) Has your spouse ever been hungry or tired in the natural before? Have they ever acted out of character before? Have your friends, your best friends ever been hungry or tired before and they just acted out of character and they just did ridiculous things because they were hangry? It works the same way in the spiritual. When we get tired and hungry, have you ever been hungry and tired before in the natural? (laughs) Has your spouse ever been hungry or tired in the natural before? Have they ever acted out of character before? Have your friends, your best friends ever been hungry or tired before and they just acted out of character and they just did ridiculous things because they were hangry? It works the same way in the spiritual. When we get tired and hungry spiritually also, we're willing to take things that don't have an equal weight. For example, the temporary pleasures of life, we're willing to trade those for our heavenly blessing in Christ. Actually, I guess it should be this way, like because that's heavy, right? A scale is really heavy, and it has a lot of weight to it. And the temporary pleasures in life have no weight at all. But when we are not taking good care of our relationship with Jesus, we get hungry and tired spiritually. And we do exactly what Esau did. And we do exactly what Jacob did, as they trick one another to steal to try to get what they believe is theirs. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I have. I've tried to manipulate to get my way because it just wasn't working my way. The second thing that Jacob steals is he steals the blessing. See, we've got to understand that there was a birthright and there was a blessing. And and what is a birthright? A birthright is this. It is a double blessing for the first son of the house. So the other sons in the house, they get a blessing too. But the first son has his birthright and is a double blessing. In other words, he's going to get more blessed, he begins to conspire with Jacob on one of the greatest deceptions any wife could ever pull on her husband, and one of the greatest deceptions that any son could pull on their father. And she tells Jacob, Jacob, now is your moment. This birthright that God promised me, like, we don't see it. Do you see it, Jacob? No, mom. She's like, okay, listen to me and just do everything that I command you. Your dad's about to give away his blessing. And so, Go into the field, go kill an animal, and get right back here. Beat your son, your brother Esau, and make the perfect meal for your father so you can get his blessing. And it's so interesting to me that I want you to understand how deceived and how twisted Jacob is. Jacob comes back with this perfect meal, and we read the story, and six different times in the story, Isaac asked his son, Jacob, are you really Esau? Are you really my son? And every single time Jacob says, yeah, dad, it's me. And he says, 
How did you kill it so fast, Esau? I just sent you out in the fields. I know how long it takes to get out in the field, kill an animal and, and make a meal and get it back to you. How did you do that? Are you sure you're Esau? Yeah, dad, it's me. Well, Esau, come close to me so that I could smell you to see if you smell like my son who works out in the fields. Jacob gets close. Yeah, dad, it's me. Let, me. let me touch your skin, Esau, to make sure that it's you because I know you got rough skin from working in the field and your brother Jacob has soft skin because he doesn't work in the field the same way that you. Let me touch your skin. And Jacob again says, yeah, dad, dad it's me. Over and over, lie, 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 lie. I think Jacob was so disillusioned in his own mind. He believed that that birthright belonged to him so bad that he was willing to cut anybody to get it. Jacob was so blinded by his fleshly ambitions. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been so blinded by your ambitions? Even the things that you thought, God, you promised me this And it's crazy because Jacob seems to think that if I get my brother's birthright, if I get my brother's blessing, if my dad, that I long for the love of my dad, if he finally once and for all lays his hands on me because of his love for me and his affection and his favor for me, and my dad blesses me and I finally get all the things that I've been striving in life for, everything's going to be okay with me. And I'm going to finally be satisfied. How many of you know, if you know the story in the life of Jacob, Jacob gets all the things that he wanted right here in this moment. The touch of his dad, the love of his father, the blessing of his father. And he's still not satisfied. We go further in the story, and I, I found this really interesting because I've looked at this story multiple times. And I'm like, I'm like, God, why did you give Esau the blessing that was going to bless the world? And so Jacob had to go steal that blessing so that you could bless the world for him. That seems kind of twisted, God, that you would do that. But that's not what God did at all. Jacob had two blessings to give away. And just because his first blessing was called in the world's eyes a double blessing does not mean that Jacob was going to miss out on anything. Because God still had a promised blessing for Jacob that belonged to Jacob. So later on in the story, it's so interesting to me, something wild happens in the story. We're talking about the burden of Jacob. Jacob struggles a bunch. Jacob steals a bunch. And the last thing we notice in your notes today is Jacob skedaddles. Yes, I said skedaddle, and I couldn't find for an, another S word that worked really well with everything. And then the brilliant mind that I am, I just thought of the word skedaddle. That's perfect. Jacob tucks tail, and he runs. Why does Jacob run in your notes? Well, he's running from his brother. He's running from his brother. Let's take a look at the story. Genesis chapter 27, Esau comes home from the field, and he's killed the animal, And he's got the stew, and he's ready to receive the blessing of his daddy. And he comes in, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it and read it for you. Can you imagine, because look, Esau was pretty twisted himself, but finally dad's dying. Dear old dad's. 
dying and I finally get his stuff. And he comes running in with joy to his dad, brings his dad some food. And he says this, scripture says this, he says, let my father arise and eat your son Esau. He's come home to give you some food so that you can bless me. And Isaac immediately in that moment knew within his heart. And scripture says that Isaac trembled violently within himself. I think all the pieces came together. He was suspect that that first blessing that he gave away wasn't in fact to his son Esau. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, my heart kind of goes out to Esau here. Scripture says he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry to his father. And he said, Dad, do you have one blessing for me, my father? Just one? I just want, I want one blessing from you. Bless me also, father. And Esau lifted his eyes up and wept. Jacob had, Isaac had no other blessing to give Esau because he, he had two blessings to give. Esau's blessing and Jacob's blessing. And he already gave Esau's blessing away. That's why he said, son, I have nothing left to give you. I've been manipulated. Your brother lied to me and he got your birthright blessing, but I cannot give this away. I have nothing else to give you. I've been commanded by God to give this blessing to Jacob. So we continue on in the story at verse 41 says this, now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing that his father had blessed him with. And Esau said within himself, because of the days of mourning and my father's death is approaching, I vow to myself and the world that I will kill my brother. So Jacob gets wind of this and he tucks tail and gets ready to run. And before Jacob runs, his mom says, hey, don't leave yet. You still have one more blessing to get. You've got your brother's birthright, but your dad wants to talk to you. Can you imagine after stealing from your father and he knows it, dad calls you into the room before he knows you're about to tuck tail and run and hide Does his dad rebuke him? Does Isaac shame him? I can only imagine Jacob, how he felt walking into that room as his dad could barely see. And he heard the voice of his son, Jacob. And the Bible says this, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him and help Jacob. It says this in verse five, God Almighty bless you, Jacob said, and make you, Isaac said this, and make you fruitful and multiply you, my son, that you may become a company of peoples that, that he, that God may give you the blessings of Abraham and to your offsprings, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings and that God would 
give you what he gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away. What? I don't know any earthly father after being duped by their own kid that would turn around and give the best blessing that he had to his son. Are you kidding me? You can write this down. Rather than the curse he deserved, he receives the blessing that he does not deserve. Rather than the curse Jacob deserved, he received the blessing that he did not deserve. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for you and I? Isaac is the perfect picture of Christ here. He's been betrayed. He's been backstabbed. He's been spit on. He'd been deceived. And and his son tried to steal things from him that didn't belong to him. And Jacob is the perfect type of humanity that does all of those things. And yet God in his kindness comes to us at our worst before we were lovable dies on the cross before there was anything worth dying for because God loved you and I. Hasn't he been good to us today? See, we've got a heavy load and I want you to know today, I want to you to bow your heads and close your eyes that no matter how heavy your load is, you could strike your hands out Steal all the things that you think are going to bless your soul and it will not be enough. It will never be enough. The only thing that will fulfill our aching heart is the love of Christ and what he has already provided for us. There's no blessing on the planet that will ever take place of the blessing that God has designed for you personally, for you. There's no other greater blessing. 